0: Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for The Magicians Business Group, and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hello,
1: my name is Rhys Morgan. I'm Robert West. Together we are Morgan and West,
0: and you are listening to the Successful
2: Mentalist Podcast.
3: Hello, and welcome to the Successful Mentalist Podcast. My name's Ashley Green, and I'm joined by... You a- can't a- do a- synchronicity no. over Zoom. You can't do synchronicity over Zoom. That's a big problem. We're joined by Adrian no. O'Sullivan. And today it's not just us who's going to be delivering this podcast. Of course, we are with two incredibly awesome chaps known as Morgan and West. Hello and welcome to the TSM podcast.
2: Hello. Hello. Good, morning,
1: Good morning, afternoon. Oh. No, it's morning. It is morning. It's morning.
3: Morning, Morning, afternoon, wherever in the world everyone's listening to. Who knows? (laughs) Five o'clock
1: somewhere. Good day. It (laughs) is five o'clock somewhere. Uh,
3: Good day. That sounds much better. We need to intro like that all the time. Good day, everyone. Hello. But you guys have got up to, like, some incredible things, like, over... The past few years, to be honest, like you're known okay, massively. So the past few years, we've
2: got up to not much. Yeah, the, the last few years. <laughs> very uh, yeah, um, except
3: that like famous year and a little bit after, which is kind of a little bit sketchy for everyone. But before that, you guys oh, are man, like incredible. Good, I'd say we've
1: had a pretty good decade. Yeah. So, <laughs> pretty yeah, that's, pretty
3: that's good the... decade. There we go. You've had a pretty good decade, and like you've known so much for your work in coding, and also like your incredible theatre shows and so much else. So before we start today's episode, could you guys give us a little bit of a rundown? Say, for example, if no one—not that there's going to be anyone—but imagine there's no one that's ever heard of you before. How would you describe yourself? What is it that you guys do?
1: I mean, first of all, I'd imagine there are plenty of people. There's who plenty of people that haven't have an right of all. Um, uh, we are th- these days, the way we describe ourselves is a, a, a two-person theater company, um, that do a variety of different things, including magic shows, science shows, stupid summer pantos, mm.
2: uh, wherever we fancy. We do family-friendly entertainment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 <laughs> we're not end of the pier, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're definitely wandering towards it these <laughs> yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. Yeah. Like clever nonsense is what we yeah. do. We do clever, clever nonsense. nonsense. Yeah,
0: I love that. I love that. That's great. It's like the complete opposite of niching. It's just like, yeah, let's just do whatever we want. That's awesome. You gotta yeah.
1: do stuff that you want to watch. Um, we firmly believe because that's the way that you make good stuff. Because if you try and do stuff that other people want to watch, you don't please yourself and you don't please other people. Yeah, so we... you can't please other people, so please yourself.
2: We've got friends that've been doing the same act for twenty, thirty years, and. Obviously, it's a very good act, but I'd be so bored by that. Oh, I'd have given up by now. Like, we we always want to be working on the next thing or working on the thing you're working on, but working on a way of improving the thing you're working on. I I don't ever want to get to a stage in my career when we just sort of get up, turn up to a gig, do the same old, get back in the car, be like, right, see you next week. Yeah. Like, we don't want to do that. We always want to be. Talking about new ideas and developing new ideas and learning new skills. There there are
1: better ways to earn money than entertainment careers. Yeah, like if if your motivation is money, go into the city and ruin your life for ten years. That's easier. Like, like you know, you'll come out with a decent pension and a bunch of money, or do
2: something productive for society. Yeah, like it's not. It's not that the arts doesn't have worth, but the point is that if you're just if you're doing it as a daily grind, you've really got to question why you're doing it. Yeah. Whereas we do it because we want to do it and because we love doing it. But part of that is the creation and development and working on it and writing stuff and mucking about and going, oh, wouldn't this be good? Or wouldn't that be good? Or should we try this? It's the whole
1: part. I mean, just before we came on, we spent the last half an hour looking into can we run lighting desks from our laptops, which will be an entirely new venture for us in having to learn how to program a lighting desk and so on. I mean, Rob did a bunch of it at college years ago and all that, but... It's kind of a neat bit, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and it's just Something going. and part of the big part of that. Sorry, you, you might have noticed that we can talk for a long time of yeah. basically no question at all. Yeah. But uh
3: but hey like a, we had uh Colin and Chloe on the podcast, Colin Cloud and Chloe Crossford. I'll be honest, we had an hour and a half interview, we asked one question.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean Colin can talk. He can um, talk, yeah, yeah, he's got opinions. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, about
2: himself. <laughs> but um uh <laughs> but yeah, like and, and our thing is going, well There is, all our work is based off the fact that there's only two of us and maybe a touring tech with us. And and so it's, we want to make as the show as big as we can without having to hire anyone else or pay anyone else. Can't afford to. Can't afford to. So then it's like, well, all right, let's, can we do more complicated lighting? Well, we can't really get a venue tech to do that because it's too much for them to do. Can we do it ourselves? Can we turn up control? with it?
1: Can we turn up with it pre-programmed but all you've got to do is link the right lights to the right bits? And then actually we're running it ourselves from stage. Yeah. Maybe, we Maybe we can. Maybe we can. Maybe we can't. Who knows? We don't know. Maybe it'll all burst into flames one day. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Ah,
0: that's amazing. I love the complexity actually boiling that down. But you said something there that I, I'm curious about. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about the life cycle of um, like an idea or a show in and of itself. Cause you guys are, you're constantly creating, constantly developing, constantly iterating on new ideas, rather than doing the same show for 20 years. What would you say is like a typical life cycle for either a, um, a show in and of itself? Do you replace an entirely new show? Do you come out with brand new shows each year? What's kind of your angle on that? changed.
2: Um, in we- the early days, we would do a whole new show a year, a whole hour a year. And
1: that was, looking back on it, bananas.
2: But back then, we had... Well, way we had nothing, fewer we? gigs. We, we had way fewer gigs. We had started
1: with nothing. So, so it was easy to generate those ideas and get stuff together. And we had a much lower threshold for what we thought was stage work. Oh yeah.
2: We'd put any old crap on stage. Yeah.
1: Um, we, uh, but... we, we did a series of rewatches of some of our old Edinburgh shows over Christmas 2020. Yeah. And, and they're still on YouTube. I think, think. I think they're, they're, on the, on yeah, they're you can still watch on us YouTube. You're
2: going to be watching page. our shows. I know the lock. We're go we would never put this on stage now. And some of it's great. Some of it is there really good, but, stuff that we but still some of it we're looking at it going, oh my God. Yeah, there's some stuff in there we still do, but some of it we go, we'd never do this now.
1: Yeah. Um. And so these days for us, a show has quite uh, a, a different life cycle and a potential to kind of carry on. So the science show that we're starting touring again in January, that should have toured for all of 2020 and a bit of 2021 getting bits added to it, but obviously things stopped and then we're sort of restarting it now. Um, with the idea that it'll exist for another year, then it'll go to bed. It might come out in three or four years again. And if it does, we'll probably change it a bit and move it around a bit. But because we largely perform for family audiences, the life cycle is... Re- like three years. And, and repetitious because kids grow up and new kids happen.
2: Yeah. like So we understand. If most of the kids in your audience, not the adults, but most of the kids in your audience are five to eight, say, and we get all ages, but I'd say the bulk in the middle of the normal distribution is five to eight. Yeah. Within three years, all the five-year-olds are eight-year-olds, the eight-year-olds are 11-year-olds, which means that you've completely recycled your audience. And because there's always new parents coming through, you've also completely recycled all the adults in your audience. So yeah, you can repeat a show every three years and be absolutely fine with it. Um, for us, like the show we were just touring, which was very much a thrown-together, in-social-distancing-times kind of show.
1: It, it was all of the tricks from our two regular family shows that we tour. That didn't involve getting people on stage, kind of put together and made to link, and and with a really stupid start and finish.
2: Yeah, and that that show probably won't see the light of day again
1: at all, at really.
2: all. But a lot of the, what goes into that show will probably come back in about three years as part of a bigger scale show because the material's still good, the stuff is still good, the jokes are still good. But we want to build our act all the time. And again, like, like with the Langer stuff, like with all the other stuff, is going, well, I want to, when we come back in three years with this show, if someone did come back and see it, even if they recognize the tricks, I want them to go, wow, this is a lot bigger than it felt last time. And that doesn't necessarily mean we're, we're not going to be doing grand illusions, but as in just the physical show itself. I'd suggest, suggest
1: it's likened to the Mario Kart effect, where I want people to come back to Mario Kart 8 and go, Oh, I remember Mario Kart Wii. It was exactly like this. This is really good. And yeah, and then, go then you back go back to Mario Kart Wii and go, and go "Oh, this
2: looks awful!" Oh, what happened? Oh my god, the um, graphics are so bad. Yeah. yeah, you if they want if they go away with your show with a really fond memory of it, and a kid leaves your show thinking how big and amazing it was, if they come back in three years, we don't want to go. Actually, on reflection, it's a bit smaller <laughs> than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was five. We want them to go. This is bigger than I remember. It. <laughs> yeah.
3: So. I suppose the question that that comes up for me then is: What is your process of trying to improve the shows and make sure that they're always getting better and improving bit by bit? Then,
2: actually, right, well, we have a. I mean, this is not like a. This is not like a. Oh yeah, we've, this is our official method. But I like to think that we have a, a sort of "wouldn't it be good" rule, if, yeah, which is if someone says "wouldn't it be good if" or "wouldn't it be funny if," do that. Like, so if you go, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be good if at this point I could do black? All right, then let's work it out. Okay. Can we do that? And even if it's like, there's a cup. there's a couple of points in the, uh, the kids show we just stopped doing where Rhys goes, I have an idea because it's a amalgamation of different shows and we sometimes reuse lines, not reuse lines, but <laughs> we, do re-use, we lines. do reuse lines, but you know, thematic moments crop up several times in, in bits. Um, there's only three plots in Kids Magic. Um, but, uh,
1: <laughs> there's only two plots in our shows. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be good if every time Reese does that, there's a little ding, ding sound. And so we haven't put it in yet. We haven't put it in yet, but, but that's like a thing we go, and it's a tiny improvement. It's a it's a minuscule 0.05 percent improvement, but it is an improvement because it's adding production value to the show. And so, like our science show that we were touring pre-pandemic and now, we're about to go back touring again has projection in it, has a big screen that we project onto. And we're going, well, okay, when we bring the kids' show back, why don't we rebuild the set? And we could build picture frames into it, but the picture frames are projection fabric. So you could project onto the back of them so you have pictures that move and do stuff. And so when Reese goes, oh, I've got an idea, as well as it going, bing, the... Like
1: I'm stood the, under a different picture frame every time and that and, particular and, frame turns And, and, uh, into, and know, an and... exclamation
2: mark or a light bulb or whatever appears above Reese's head. Or maybe, if that doesn't work, Maybe the the picture of Reese on the stage has a light bulb pop up above its head, and obviously to do this now we're talking about rebuilding the set, um, making video resources, animation possibly. So there's a lot of work that goes into this stuff. But as you start to do these things and go, oh, if we did that, we could also do this. If we added music to this bit, we'd add music to that bit. If we an if we had screens so we could do animation, we could do this with animation and that with animation. And a lot of this stuff isn't magic stuff. It's just production values. And it's just basically chipping away at all the wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be cool if. And then at the same time, I think, lit, paying attention to, as you do your shows, going, what's the worst bit in this show? Yeah. And then go, well, okay, if we also fix the worst bit of the show. Something new becomes the worst Something bit. new becomes the worst bit, and then you fix that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you endlessly replace bits. But we endlessly replace bits. But you went, but well, you, and even if it is just going... I don't like that bit where you have to pick up a thing and hand it to me before you can pick up the other thing and do a thing. Wouldn't it be easy if we could reveal these things one by one by replacing the props to cover them? Or uh, the angles on this bit are a bit funny. Wouldn't it be better if we could do this centrally, but then we got the sub centrally, but maybe if we did this higher. And it's stuff like that where you're always digging into the flaws and not just going, oh, am no. and not falling into the trap that magicians do of going, this trick has flaws, so I'll go and buy the newest thing that that definitely won't have hidden flaws that I don't know about. Um, it's just going. No, no, the stuff I've got is good. What what I want is to take the stuff I've got that is good
0: and make it great. That makes sense. I, I'm I'm curious as to why you what why on the production value element of it, because um, this seems to be uh, as you guys said. You, it's a huge role and it's, it's where you spend more of your focus rather than just the magic in and of itself. It's all of the improving the, the actual production value.
1: Jigs secondary.
2: Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, well, well, it's, it's, have you been to see a musical in the West End? Yes. Was there a set?
0: There was indeed.
2: Were there costumes?
0: There were costumes. Were there dance numbers?
2: Were there dance numbers?
0: Oh, There most certainly was. So they were, were
2: there bits in between the songs that were still funny or entertaining or smart? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So that's why.
1: <laughs> yeah. Re- replace musical with magic and we're done. Um, like it's, uh, magic is the baseline. Um, if you go and see a magic show, you are expecting to see magic tricks.
2: Yeah. Great. Um, cool. But yeah, that is like literally the least you can expect from a magic show. Yeah. And, and, and I think magicians have this thing of going, well, I've got good tricks and in between the tricks, I have some jokes. What more could they possibly ask? Yeah. And, and I was thinking, like, well, for, for for a community of people That spend so long going Well it's really the presentation That's important Not the effect
1: Go, go and watch 90% of the clips On Penn and Teller Foolers. And it's, it's This is a slightly flawed analogy Because these are individual tricks Where they are literally Wheeling someone out And going Here is a thing With yeah, a terribly filmed VT yeah. That T- we put TV together TV does constrain you, you somewhat But basically but All Penn and Teller Clips are sort of- Is kind of like Hey I've got this thing I've got a little story That I'm going to say About this thing And then there's the thing And then um, I think it's teaching magicians really badly because uh, Penn's job, as he has worked out, um, because he knows how to play the game, is to effuse about every single person who comes on. Oh, yeah. So there's always, hey, boss, oh, I oh, love, I I love that. Oh, that's such great. a great angle. About... And you're watching it going, no, it no, wasn't. It, wasn't. it, it sucked, mate. It. You know it sucked. You I know it sucked.
2: It, it was pretty rubbish. You can tell when he really likes something.
1: You know, um, yeah, you know when he really likes something because he doesn't do that, oh, it was
2: great. Oh, it was that's great. great. That's he great. kind of goes, Oh and he doesn't he doesn't say very much. Yeah, yeah. Um But and, and that's I think it's like sort of our idea of presentation is not going when I was a kid, I saw a magician do this trick.
1: I was such a pet So bead.
2: now I'm going to do that trick. I don't care Why would you stand on
1: step? Why would you use the opportunity you have Where you have a gathered group of people Be that two people at a drinks reception Or 50 people in an audience Or a thousand people in the audience And tell them a story about
2: someone else Here's a trick someone else did Which I will now at best replicate What What is that saying? Other
1: than, oh, it's just You just buy these things, to be honest I'm just just a conduit Like, honestly, the deck does it Like, one of these is the wrong way around You know Here's
2: the first trick I ever learned Surely <laughs> the first trick you ever learned was rubbish because you would have been rubbish. Yeah. Like, but I don't want to see the first trick. Imagine, like, someone, uh, a concert pianist comes out and goes, So, so now I'm going to play Snug as a Bug in <laughs> <and> a Rug. <laughs> yeah. The first song I ever learned on the pa- No, don't play, play that. Play something good. Play, oh, I wish I knew more about concert the piano. Moonlight like Sonata. Play the Moonlight moon like Sonata. Sonata. Play some Rachmaninoff off or something. You know, don't play Snug as a Bug in a Rug. And it's not, um, and also, we we con ourselves in industry that this stuff is like emotive. And it's like kind of and the people can go, it's great because you tell a story with it. So but if the story's boring, the audience don't wanna hear it. I'm watching
1: on Disney Plus at the moment, I'm watching In and of Itself, which is the Derek gardio um highly lauded show. Yeah. Um I'm I'm only forty minutes in and I have opinions and so far i think it'd be much better if you took out all the magic tricks yeah um because i think if you took out all the magic tricks it's quite a nice storytelling show about his life yeah and with the magic tricks you've got bumps in the road where you go why is he doing a bloody magic trick i don't care yeah uh like it's um yeah it's uh, and the emotive stuff doesn't come from the magic it comes from yeah. the story like and, and i'll be honest i'm quite i'm starting to get quite into it 40 minutes in it starts getting good um but that's because he's done And a magic trick now, and it feels like he's gone. Oh, I've done that. Got that away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that's the. But that's the thing. We're so obsessed with this thing of being like, well, you you need to tell us everything. We need to do some jokes with the thing again. Like again with jokes. Like the number of magic tricks you see, which are bit of admin, unrelated joke, bit of admin, unrelated joke, trick, which makes the trick end up being forty minutes long. Whereas, like, why not just do the boring stuff of the trick in a more fun way? Then you wouldn't have to keep interrupting it to do jokes. (laughs) You could just do it in a fun way. There is nothing
1: to be ashamed of with the fact that magic is a bunch of admin that leads up to a single moment. That's what magic is. That's what magic is. Um, and I think the people who do best performance-wise at that acknowledge and embrace that yeah. because that's what it is. Like, And so rather than trying to hide it, put it out there and go, yeah, this is what it is. Let's have fun with it. Or let's be serious about it, or let's be sad about it, or let's be angry about it, you know, or any other of those emotions that hopefully we can access at some point.
2: Someone asked us a question about, or, or perhaps a review or something, about, about, about Pile Tricks, which is available from yeah. Um But um, saying, oh, all the tricks are just a trick, they're not a routine. And I think there's a really weird thing with magic, <laughs> the idea of routining, which is like, don't worry if your first trick doesn't go down well. Because if it seamlessly flows into three more tricks, you'll eventually get them on side. I was like, wouldn't it be better rather than going and this trick becomes that trick becomes that trick, just going to do a trick that is satisfying enough for an audience yeah. that they go, well, oh, that was a good trick. We've done close up. I mean, we very very rarely do close up. time we did close up
1: two and a half years ago.
2: <laughs> but we've done close up lots with people know. where we do a trick at the start of a close up set, which we do together, and it's it's a trick. It's like a three cards trick, so it's quite an involved long trick. And if it gets a sufficiently strong reaction, we sometimes just stop there and walk off. Yeah, just leave. Because once you've shown them one really good trick... <laughs> What's
1: the point in doing another one? What's the point in doing another one? Yeah.
2: Just walk... You've, you've got a lot of people to entertain. Go and do the same thing for someone else. And then you only need one good trick.
1: Yeah. And, and it, that lasts
2: 11 minutes, maybe? Yeah, it's like an 11-minute trick. And is it, it is, is literally,
1: it, literally card to it, pocket, card to, to wallet, wallet, card, card to, to cigarette, card yeah. to impossible location, but, And it's very long. And we make a big fuss out of the admin.
2: Yeah.
1: In a really over the top kind of like this is the admin section kind of way. Yeah. And it's it's just force of personality that makes it happen. Yeah.
3: So I suppose a question that comes up for me based on what you said earlier. Um and I'm trying to think in terms of the people that are going to be listening to the podcast right now, those people who are thinking, Okay, I'm really keen to do a show or I've got a show on the horizon. I get that and I get now that production value is so much more important than the tricks it's all about like creating like an actual show as it were you mentioned that you run everything yourself how would someone start so if they want to put like good so like, we, w- we, where is that
1: we we started uh 10 years ago doing shows in village halls up and down the country and you work through your means so if yeah. your means are you have no money, then you accept that you don't have any money, and you do some gigs and earn some money and put some of it away until you can get enough that you can go down to the now defunct uh, Maplin's and buy a, a ninety-nine pound speaker unit yeah. that you can plug a mini jack into. Um, and we used to run with the first thing we did was make our sound interesting. Because um, sound
2: is. Not you don't need nothing for sound. Obviously, you need speakers, you need a computer. But you right can you, you can get a decently powerful speaker for not a lot of money, and it doesn't take up that much space in your car. Whereas obviously, going and now I'm going to have a set or a backdrop that takes up more space, space in, in your car. car. But and like people often ask this when they say we're well, we on tour, and they'll be like, "How do you get a tour like this like together?" And you go, you, "You do this for ten years." Yeah, and and they don't want to hear that because they want like with all magic, what people want is like an easy secret. And they go, "Oh, the secret is the cards stick together a bit." Or the secret is you just look and see what the word is. And they think that the secrets you kind of get, the kind of secrets you get in magic, which are very stupid and obvious, are the kind of secrets that you get in real life, where the secret is just work hard. Just, it's a long and slow process and you need to work hard. Like, and, and honestly, I think that anyone that's telling you, Oh, here's our thing that will make your business better or make your magic better. And it's easy is lying.
1: And it's not just working hard. It's working smart as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of...
2: Well, thinking about it, analysing it, yeah. working out what you need and what works. I'm going
1: not to watch a bunch of shows that will exist at the scale that you are going to do your show. Go to Fringe yeah. Theatre if that's the scale. Go to stuff that's coming to your local village hall. Go to Thousand Seat Theatres if that's the scale you think you're going to work at. And watch the shows and go, right, how does this work?
2: Yeah.
1: Don't look at everything. Watch everything that's happening and really sort of pull it apart and think about it because yeah as rob says there are no fast track secrets you can't yeah. pay you know it's not like oh i'm going to pay a thousand pounds and then i will have all of the secrets to how a magic show works
2: yeah and, it, and yeah with 20 minutes work a week i can i can it's, have either, that doesn't work and that's it's not, not like
1: that it's it's you know shows are not a weird sort of pyramid schemey kind of thing you, you have to work out how they work and put the work in and that's that's not us sort of sitting on it and going, we're but not going to do that. That's not you. us going,
2: oh, we can't tell you the secret. There is no there secret. There isn't a secret. There, there really? really isn't. So the show we did stuff, over the summer. Throw stuff out. Like which, we we the, cut so much crap from our show and built things and gone, let's do this. Nope, never worked. Throw, throw it, away, it away. Throw it like, away. Try stuff. We, we started
1: out um our first stage gigs as it were, we're doing uh, a cabaret show in Oxford that I managed to find through Daily Info called Queen of Clubs Cabaret. Another moment, hey, do you want it, us to um, And we did ten or fifteen minutes, I think, and they paid us fifty quid. Um, and we, uh, as part of that, we knocked someone's red wine over their white dress, um, and
2: that was. Uh, um, uh, and because we were doing, the, we were doing the thing of going, you throw a throw a soft toy quiet, into the, the audience, audience, like Darren does, yeah, to pick someone. Threw it out. Knock someone's drink over, spilled it over their dress. Yeah. Crap. And then, let's not uh, do, do that, that again. again.
1: You, 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 that's how you learn. You, you try these things and, and you find out. And what's you nick up, on. Like,
2: like, yeah. like, it's an excellent point of saying go and if you want to do a show at your local fringe thing or well, I say local, we would do fringes all over the country, but like you want to do a show in like a little room somewhere, go and see shows on that scale. Go and see small shows. And when you go, God, the sound design in this is really good. Or when you go, what a clever use of stuff. Or when you go, oh, the space feels really intimate, or the, the set looks really good, or the way they're dressed. Like when you see that stuff, nick
1: it. Yeah. And also when you see stuff and you go, God, the set's rubbish. Why? Go, okay. Yeah. Why is it? Why am I looking at this and thinking this is rubbish? Yeah. Or the way they're performing is rubbish. Why do I think that? Don't just sort of sit on the idea that it's rubbish. Go, why is it rubbish? Don't sit on the idea that it's good. Go, why, why is it is good? good?
2: Many years ago, we went to see a really good show at the Edinburgh Fringe called, uh, Famished, which was a musical about zombies in the Victorian era. <laughs> Way back in the days and Way deaths of 2007. 2007. Uh, really good show. Uh, just silly, fun musical fringe show. Uh, not magical at all, but there were two of the characters were playing bad guys that were very over the top thingy bad guys and they're all dressed in black, but one of them had brown shoes Really on. annoyed me. And it really it wound really, me, <laughs> <up. laughs> me up.
1: It brown up.
2: shoes when you dressed all in black. And like, and obviously there was loads of other stuff in the show that was good and you can learn and you can do stuff with. But one of the things we took away from that, is like, your costume starts at the top of your head and ends up on your feet.
1: To the point where we have done a show um, uh, where um, it was in the Georgian Theatre Royal in Richmond, which is Richmond, North Yorkshire, not Richmond, London, as uh, someone who was coming to the show made the mistake of yeah, that i day. see you
2: when you're in Richmond, and then went, oh, oh it's, it's, Richmond, the it's, it's the other Richmond. It's Yorkshire. Yeah, I'm it is five hours from where yeah, you think yeah, it
1: is, yeah. 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 Um, the uh it's a beautiful old sort of uh, theater where there's boxes literally on the stage so right. if if you're performing in the front meter of the stage you can fire mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. the audience mm-hmm. yeah, like no, they're right there um and we used to do sort of chats with the audience before the start show starts uh, we don't do that anymore um because it doesn't fit the shows we're doing at the moment uh and one of them looked down at my shoes and went you haven't polished those recently and i went you're right i haven't <laughs> <laughs> and it was just that reminder of,
2: yeah, yeah that's important. That is, is that... important.
1: People look, people watch. I'm, I'm dreadful for it. I, I get distracted by things that I look at and don't quite fit.
2: And again, like, because your costume says stuff about you. And if your, if your shirt is unironed and your shoes are scuffed,
1: tip: wear a waistcoat. Yeah, and wear, wear a waistcoat. find a lot shirt. of <laughs> um,
2: But, but the point is that if you. People pick up on that stuff and read into it. And yeah, sorry, we'll get back to the question at some point. (laughs) Or maybe we will And so the point is, if you're trying to get to the level that you want to get to, firstly, decide what that level is. Decide what your version of success is. A big thing for us in terms of, since this is called the successful mentalist, is that I think success is uh, often a misnomer because... Success is self-defined. You define what success is. You don't get to say, we're going to help you be successful, and here's what successful looks like. That's not what success is. Success is what you want it to be. And often it's not even what you want it to be because what you think success is isn't success. Because when you'd be like, I'd love to jet around the country or jet around the world, perform for blue chip companies. Yeah. Corporate work sucks and flying sucks. So while that's great to brag about on social media, you're going to have a horrible life. Yeah. Uh, you might have lots of money, but you'll have a horrible life. Touring is also quite knackering yeah, and tiring. Touring sucky. is quite tiring. Um, <laughs> but, but
1: at least the audiences are usually quite nice.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> but basically if you want to, if you want to be successful, you want to do the kind of work we do watch shows or whatever. You set your goal and you go, okay, next year I want to do a show. And you set a date for that show. You book it in so you have to do it. And you just start working
1: toward it. And then whatever that show is, you will have been successful because your goal was to, to do, do that show. show. If it sucked, fine. fine. If it was brilliant, fine. Right. If it was mediocre, fine. Right. The And then when you do hit goals, it's also really important to not immediately set the next one. Yeah. Because that way madness and unhappiness lies because you are always chasing something. Yeah. And that's not to say that you shouldn't be motivated to do stuff. We're not saying don't book in another show. (laughs) But you need to enjoy and find the happiness in the successes as they happen. Otherwise, what's the point in going for them?
2: Yeah, you see people a lot in the industry, I think, who are so hell-bent on getting to a place, and they don't know what that place is actually going to be like they've never done it before, but they're so hell-bent on being in the West End, on being on TV, on being famous, that they'll have massive successes in their career and be there going, sure, I'm doing a show in Vegas, but that guy over there is headlining a show in Vegas, and that guy over there who started around the same time we did has his own theatre in Vegas.
1: So we, it took me a long time to get over Piff the Magic Dragon's success. Yeah, because we first met John in Edinburgh in 2009, where we were both flying on the Royal Mile, um, both in silly costumes. Both in silly costumes. We did all the same cabaret gigs together constantly. We were yeah. we like we basically lived together for a month. We didn't live together, but, but as we, we, as were, we were meeting same, each other constantly. constantly. 2009, 2010, um, and then. He did his pen and Teller spot and blew up. Blew up. He didn't fool them. We fooled them and we were like, Oh, so this is and then it was I just like no, nothing. Not nothing, not nothing. Not nothing. Fooling them
2: was good for our career. What but I'm saying is
1: like it our paths diverged and it took me a couple of years, didn't it? Yeah. It was when he was doing that tour with Mumford and Sons. I was really like, Oh, how the
2: Isn't hell? That? Does that? And then you heard about 70,000 people booing. Yeah. Him. yeah. And I was like, you oh, go, okay. That oh, actually doesn't sound that great. That doesn't sound great. Um, and, but, like, and this is, we have all the love and respect. For well, John whereas the world. now, he's he's like, last
1: time we were out in, in Vegas a couple of years ago doing a convention, we were at for dinner with John and yeah. it was just really nice yeah. to see him. And he was, he's, having a, he's, great he's time. having a great time. He's doing incredibly well. His show's amazing. It's great. Yeah, it's really great. I love watching him.
2: Also, I don't want to live in Vegas. Vegas no. is awful
1: i quite like to live in mumbles in south wales yeah like
2: and so it's and it's that thing of defining success it would be great to go oh, i'd love to have the success the piff has had do do you want to live in vegas and Did when you you're not in vegas spend your time driving around the, the america in a tour bus if you do great.
1: great real estate's quite cheap and in 10 years time it's yeah. probably going to have dried out so yeah. it's going to be problems
2: but, but you know but <laughs> i just... really don't want to do that so when you're thinking about oh i wish i had that and yeah, and that's the thing. And when and again, and this all comes back to the this affects the first steps because it's going think about what you want and work to get what you want. And again, stop doing that. Here's my dog, uh, and stop doing that thing of going like, oh, one of these days I'm going to do a stage show. Until then, I'm going to do close up work. And and at a close up gig, probably someone's going to go, hey kid, I'm a theatre producer and I'm going to take you to the big time. That doesn't happen. If you want to do stage work, start making stage work. If you want to do shows, start doing shows. That's how you get to touring theatres or going to Vegas or doing the West End or whatever. You start doing the work that will lead you there. You don't just wait.
0: I love that. I think a lot of that makes so much sense in terms of taking ownership. And this is something that we're we're huge on um, here at TSM. We're, We're huge on actually taking the reliance on other people, other things out of of our careers and actually bringing it back to where we are going like what can we do to get to the next step what can we actually do to get to the next step um so it's it's nice to hear it from from your perspective as well that that angle of
1: and it's it's super important to self-define what the what the next step is um Like, for us at the moment, the next step is really a step back, not step backwards, but it's a step sideways. The next step for us is getting an old show out and re-rehearsing it. Getting back to
2: where we were in March 2020.
1: Accepting that we're going to be doing shows for the next month and a half that are not as good Good. as the shows that we were doing in March 2020 because we don't remember. We're rusty. We don't remember the beats. We don't, you know, we're going to have to find, we're going to do rehearsal for it, but until we're in a room, there will be little bits that are like... Oh yeah, oh, you do yeah, that, that then, that don't then. you? That yeah. happens, you know. Um So defining what that next step is again is a really self-actuating. Is that a phrase? Let's say it is now. Let's say it is. <laughs> it is now. Yeah.
2: And like, especially, I think a lot of people in the last year or so have been, re- and some people we know have been really badly hit by losing a lot of work and losing work our time, and they felt they had a lot of momentum. And one of the things that the pandemic has taught us is that to survive in this industry, you need serious resilience. Your, your career does not build in a linear scale. I think people think that it's like, I'll start off with 50-seat theatres one year, and then I'll be in 100-seat theatres the next year, and then 200 the next year, and then 400 the next year. That's not how... Don't sniff that. Uh, that's not how it works. Um, the 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 way it works is you do... You you start off in small spaces, and then you might start to do bigger spaces, but you'll still be doing the small spaces. And then you might start to do even bigger spaces, but you're still doing small... Like, we will often go and perform in a room that is 400 seats. We don't necessarily sell 400 tickets, but we'll play in one room with 400 seats and then a room with 100 seats and then a room with 900 seats. And like, it's very up and down. And the 400 seat room,
1: we might get 100 people. The 200 seat room or the 100 seat room, we might get 100 and people. people like, the 900 seat room, we might get 100 people. people. You don't know. You, you never know. You never know how it's going to work. You just have to try.
2: Yeah. And you've just got to stick with it and understand that it's not there aren't big breaks and, and there are breaks but there aren't big breaks and
1: you have to work within your means and we've been very lucky that our means have grown over the years and you know we started out by doing a teaching job for a bit and yeah. we took the big old lump of golden hello cash that they gave us and went great we'll live off this for a year if we have to yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, just, and we
2: come from a huge bed of white like middle class male, male privilege like huge like, vast yeah. So it was very easy for us yeah. to start doing this stuff you, you You can't discount that
1: no it's very much
0: there. That's brilliant. I've got one one more question um for, from my end of the minute. Uh, it's kind of a selfish question just because it's something I'm curious about right now. but we spoke a lot about um, having our own ideas and being able to always refine and improve what what we're doing. but what what would you say is the role of of external feedback in actually the improvement process? Either from other people or from. So I would say,
2: and we we often say this when we, when we whenever we do a lecture, we start with this: of uh, you you've got to check the credentials of the people who are giving you uh, feedback. You
1: you have to choose who you listen to. You have to want to listen to the feedback from those people. Yeah. And when you find those people, hold on to them. Don't let them go. Yeah. Um, and listen to their feedback all the time
2: um and obviously the first part of that we always get is the, the 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 first piece of feedback you can always listen to is your audience if your audience responds well to something on a regular basis it's probably good if they respond badly to something on a okay. regular basis it's probably not great it's probably not great um but but with that you have to be careful of there's a difference between responding to something or responding to something and responding to something in the way you want them to respond um like as i think we, we might talk about in this in the book but there's that trick with a phone where you drop a spider on someone's hand and they freak out. They're not freaking out because it's a magic trick. They're freaking out because you've dropped a spider on their hand. And people have to go, it gets massive reactions. It's like, yeah, so does punching someone. Yeah, like, uh, like- It doesn't mean it's the reaction you want, but people... If you walk up to someone in a gig and lamp them, everyone will freak out.
1: Yeah. We, we had an argument. I remember um, in a park in Adelaide in 2012... We had a, an argument with Piff the Magic Dragon about, about the only deck, deck. Yeah. like a proper lasted for about fifteen minutes argument about why it was rubbish and why he was said it was He's amazing. He was a big fan.
2: He was a big fan of it, and we're like, it's rubbish. Yeah, it's a rubbish trick. Um, I don't care if people respond to it.
1: Well, it's a rubbish, rubbish trick. trick. Yeah. Um, but in terms of external feedback, we work with a director, um, uh, a chap called Peter Clifford, who will be known by a lot of people in the industry. Um, uh, although these days, we wonder why we pay him, because basically he turns up and just goes, Why? Why are we doing this? Not why are we... Why is he there? No, but as in, why just, have you made that decision? And, and that's all he does, is ask us why. Yeah, like The joke I, is these days right. that Peter's going to We well, might I'll just put a tape recorder on, like in Last You're Action well uh, Why?
2: Why? why? Uh, but yeah. And, and Which is a really important question. Which is an important question. And again, if someone is giving you advice about stuff and especially if you are paying for that advice yeah like if someone comes to us and says hey i really want to build my corporate clients i'd say why would you ask us we don't have any corporate clients we are a theatrical stage act
1: whereas if someone comes to us and says oh we really i'd really like someone to direct something we're doing we go all right Right.
2: we are theatrical stage workers Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing we do like sort of if you know not as a dig, guys, but if someone were selling a course to improve the success of my career, I'd want some sort of proof that those people were incredibly successful. In the same way that if someone pays us for directing stuff, yeah, we, they, we, we, we're we like before you do that,
1: come on, even just, we, we, we've just... we've had people go, "I'll pay you to do directing." we am like, "All right, let's let's do a bit see We'll do it first
2: and see if you like, like it. it. Yeah, because like similarly, if someone wants advice on stage magic or writing something. We have a very particular style of performing and writing. Yeah. And we have done stuff with people, before, friends of ours that have asked us for help, who have basically completely ignored it because their style is so different from our style. We've done a full day with them. Everything we suggest, they push against. And and, And there comes a point you go, honestly, we can't do any more with you. There's no point in being here. Because we have a skill set. And our skill set is theatricality and silliness and wordplay and blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you're going for slick dude-in-a-suit corporate stuff then none of our ideas are going to feed into that. So you don't want us for that. Like, so if you're working with people, you need to know that they've got the goods and you need to know that the goods that they're offering are the goods that you want. Like if someone comes to us with, we, we, uh, I don't know, like a, a character act and they're like, oh, cool, I'm doing a character where I'm literally Sherlock. I'm literally the Sherlock Holmes and I've walked through a time rift and I'm now in the field, and my act is like, I'm the Sherlock Holmes. We're like, cool. We can run with that all day. Whereas if someone's going, oh, my thing is I'm sort of a, a a slick mind reader type and I'm a bit Darren Brownie and it's all NLP and suggestion and nodding my head. I was like, don't care. Don't want it. Yeah. You know, we're not the people for you. We've had
1: instances where in order to do a bit of television, it was heavily insinuated to us that we had to pay someone a thousand pounds to come and look at our show and improve it. Yeah. Uh, uh, um and we're like can you give us a bit more information yeah. on that and and they're what's, oh you know oh it'll improve it by 20 percent. and we're okay. like well, what's, what's that mean
2: with, what's wrong with it and they went oh, nothing wrong, wrong with it and it. like, i won't be paying, paying someone to direct my work thank you, you you know
1: like yeah it's um it's funny it's funny you, you you listen to the people that you want to listen to and that you think will give you good ideas um and and listening to them doesn't mean taking everything on board, listening to them just means that being open to listening to them.
2: And it's has been critical, which is both in terms of yeah understanding that they might, not everything they say might not be perfect for you, but also being open to accept that you might be wrong about stuff. Yeah. Being open to accept that you go, you know what, this thing I thought was good, maybe isn't. Or this thing that I thought was funny, maybe isn't. Or even if it is funny, but it doesn't suit my character, it should still go. Because that's the thing I think people have a, Hard time with it's hard. It's, it's hard. it is hard it's hard it's hard
1: on stage, it's hard in personal
2: life it's hard in in everything It's just going, you know what I was wrong and and importantly, you know what as I look into this thing, even though it gets good reactions, even though the audience like it as a thing, it doesn't fit the character I'm trying to portray, so I shouldn't do it like actually, you're like a psychic mentalist
3: right? well, I'm a weird guy, put yeah, it that right. way.
2: So if you were doing uh a a routine about NLP it would be like well hang on and it might be an amazing routine but we were like well 15 minutes ago you were reading minds so surely you're just so either the reading minds bit was nonsense or the NLP bit was nonsense it's it's and and you and so it's like well okay well, don't do the NLP thing because you're a psychic guy. Or you, I'm not saying you're, you can keep, keep, you know keep, keep the trick, just, keep the method, keep the trick, keep the method, change presentation. Up. Even though it might be great and the person you learned it from might do it with that exact presentation. It's great. It doesn't fit you. So it needs to fit you. So yeah, do some weird stuff. That's your vibe. Like the, the, the hot, the hot tip,
1: as it were, after having talked extensively about how there are no secrets and no yeah. hot tips is that there is currently a, and we've talked about this on several podcasts and in our yeah. book and everything, because it's the thing that makes us want to punch people in the face. Um, there is a big old trend in mentalism as started yeah. by the Got Talent model and yeah. as perpetuated by whoever is designing tricks for everyone who goes on Got Talent slash insisting they do things this way. Yeah. Um, in that mentalism will happen and then at the end, there'll be a big old and I predicted everything that happened. Which well, is make, awful.
2: This makes no sense.
1: <laughs> because it tells you that it was all gonna happen in the first place yeah um, exactly the same in in and of itself there's a bit where early on he does a card trick uh and at the end he reveals something that shows you that the entire thing was a setup yeah um and the audience reacts to it and it infuriates
2: me that he hasn't that it that it hasn't been and that's a perfect example of going might get a great reaction but doesn't fit the show so and if you're and because there are and there are ways of doing that if you want to do a big reveal at the end then the the choices that come before that reveal need to feel very random they need to feel very like, you pick things, you pick that, you mix yourselves up, blah, 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 blah. we end up with this. Look, I predicted it. How could I have predicted it? Um, not so random that it would have been impossible to predict. If your thing is prediction, you can't have someone rolling a dice.
1: Yeah, because you can't predict it, that. Or, or,
2: or rather, if, not, if, if your thing is prediction by psychological influence... If it's not f- if it's not future forecast. Yeah. If you're clairvoyant, you can very much say, you roll a dice, I'll tell you what the answer is going to be. But if you are a psychological, I'm going to suggest things to you, and the second they roll a dice blown it out of the water done but if you spend 10 minutes with someone doing readings and holding checking their pulse and making them say the alphabet over and over again and say, so, oh are you thinking of the word badger and at the end you've got a picture of a badger and be like see i knew you'd pick the word badger well then all the pulse reading saying stuff didn't mean anything and even if the audience go wow how do you know it was badger you've completely undercut any narrative that you were creating any drama you've created because if someone were thinking describing that back to someone was thinking about it, or came to see the show again. Because people come to see shows more than once, especially if they're really good. At the point when you're going, okay, thing of A, B, C, B, B, did it start with B, you're there going, Well it's Badger, I know it's the word badger. And I know he's gonna know it later. So at that point and, and and the and the way and I think some people answer to that is just going, and ah, no one thinks about that. Which is a surefire method of making mediocre work. Because they do
1: they don't might not actively think about it, but there's definitely an undercurrent of it does it stops it being amazing, it yeah. stops it being great, it stops it being fantastic. It makes it yeah great. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. next. And like, and there is a um, magic. Uh, magic is not just a series of wow moments, or yeah. or, or it is. But um, uh, so uh, I, I've uh, in the last sort of nine months, I've gotten into um, flying trapeze in a big way as a hobby. And recently I've started watching clips of people doing flying trapeze performances and they are universally dull because they have been the same for the last, as far as I can tell, 80 years. Flying trapeze is worse than magic Magic. for doing the same thing. They have Spangly costumes. They stand on the rig. They do these arms. They throw the bar out because, and I've read a few books on it, they say that's how you keep the audience interested is you throw the bar out. They do some tricks and then they come down. it's 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 an acrobatic performance skill, so it's supposed to be beautiful to look at. But beyond that, it's got nothing, which is exactly the same as Magic going, and here's this impossible thing, ta-da, and beyond that, it's got nothing.
2: Oh, and it's not like really with jugglers as well, and they a big into juggling. And if you see one street performer do a juggling set, you've pretty much seen them all. And every now and then, I remember being in Cambridge, I think, years and years ago with an old girlfriend, and stopping, and there was a juggler there doing a street set to like eight people. And it was really good, really like modern, fun stuff, with jokes and bits and all the standard street performing stuff. But genuinely someone who really knows their stuff, really knows what everyone else is doing and actively wasn't doing it. And and taken, taken the skills that they had
1: and used it as a foundation. Yeah. And it's, it's so like, you know, Gandini juggling is a, is a famous juggling troupe that do shows that involve real art house juggling, juggling. Troupe, and that that that's is. the other end of it. That's the kind of the real art house end. Yeah. But then a happy medium somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, um, yeah, it's it, performance. It's about telling a story and
2: and I think it's about engendering having... feelings in people and connecting. It's also, it's also about being rigorous and going and not saying those things like no one will notice them. Yeah. And not saying that things of like, oh no one will care. Or not saying things like oh as long as they react well at the end it was like like or doing magic tricks that people might have seen before. They'd say you're doing the invisible deck. Not a bad trick, great trip.
1: But everyone does it. We 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 used to run I mean years ago now, we ran a, a monthly night in Oxford where we'd get to, to guest, guest magicians um, and we had to after six months we had to start telling people please don't invisible deck. our
2: audience have seen it six times they've seen it six times everyone does it and we get a lot of repeat audience so if you, if you do it they've seen it yeah so just to, what, it's up to you whether you do it or not but as a warning they know what's coming and because a lot of people I think go most people have never seen magic so it doesn't matter what I do whereas wouldn't it be better to go most people have never seen magic so which means some brilliant. people have seen magic and if I do something that's good for them It's also good for the most because most people have never seen anything, but being good for the sum is better because then you're good for everyone rather than going, Hey, if 80% of people like this and 20% of people think it's bad or think they've seen it before, that's 80%. I was like, Yeah, but if you aim for those 20%, you actually get a hundred percent. If that makes sense
3: that's perfect and um we've got a question in from ali uh just in the comments but very quickly uh what you said there um, reminded me of a conversation i had with um the wonderful luke jimay up in uh, newcastle on that whole thing about and uh, i'll say this on the podcast it's quite funny and um, we was chatting about uh confabulations at the end of a mentalism routine where ta everything's predicted and he said it and i was like oh my god luke that makes so much sense it's so obvious why didn't i think of that and then i looked at my show and then i went ah shit to change everything and it just makes so much sense but it is looking at your material in that kind of like deeper way and actually like looking into i guess the performance behind it but i just want to say everything that you guys have covered today has been like really wonderful really actually useful for people and i know there's so many people in our world that want to get into theater work and are currently doing work uh in the theater um both in magic and outside of magic so it's going to be so useful for them but very quickly to um fire you ali's questions and it's kind of split up into three we've got like two quick fire questions um and then a little bit on um our material his first one question a as he's written media star pro for lights as well as music is that what you use
1: I uh, don't know what that is. At the moment for music we use QLab. We used to use a program called Sound Shoku System. Show cue system. It used to be called Sound Q System, then they changed their name to Sho System. Um uh the we're currently looking into using uh, an an Eon desk emulator on a MacBook, um, because most theaters run Eon desks or, or similar. Um, if you've got a theater with a jester, run a mile because they're just all thin. Yeah, bad desks. Um uh, yeah, so i uh,
2: not heard of it, but if it works, great. Yeah, sure, if it you, you, works.
1: You know, there's plenty of programs out there and there's more and
2: more all the time. Yeah, like. we've we're, I, at this point in our career, all the lighting stuff we've ever done is by writing lighting plots and giving them to text in the space and just basically going like, do as good as you can to match that lighting plot. And then we'll have a look at it and tweak, you know. Yeah. that's the. Uh So we are only just now getting into it and we have yet to decide on how we're going to control things. But so our sound is, and our, any sound and video production we do is one through a
1: We were literally talking about the lighting side of things 20 minutes before we came on this podcast, so... <laughs>
3: <laughs> would you look at that well time question um here's other one um just curious about projectors um for your show is it a screen or is it all portable uh
1: for the science show we have a built in projection screen um which is some rear projection material uh stapled over a frame which then slots into the set it's but pretty you big mean, the, the
2: set is seven foot high and is like three walls of a room yeah it's it's eight
1: meters wide four meters um, sort of deep, as it were, um, and uh, we use uh, yeah. We've it's just
2: literally here. It's a
1: short throw, a short
2: throw BenQ projector. You know, the, it, was,
1: it was a five hundred quid projector. It's it's a decent lumens. Lumi expert. Apparently. There you go. Um, it, we did a bit of research. We found one that wasn't horrendously expensive, but also wasn't cheap because yeah. you buy cheap it breaks. You yeah. buy really expensive,
2: uh, you don't know if you're going to use it enough. Yeah, you know? we've fallen in traps in the past of going. Let's buy the best thing, and then going. We never need to, we never use anything but the basic functionality of this thing.
1: And you also fall into traps where you go, let's buy the cheapest thing. And then within three bits of wood, your saw doesn't work anymore. And so yeah, you have to and you go and buy a new, new saw. saw. <laughs> like, okay.
0: Don't.
3: Let's find out. You, re- you remind me of, um, you afford. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
3: you remind me of, uh, two weeks before lockdown when I bought my, um, my expensive thousand pound Mindbuster pad. And then we went into lockdown. and went, that's redundant. <laughs>
2: we took, uh, we, yes we took delivery of 50 giant cardboard boxes made to measure made to measure custom giant cardboard boxes for the box three
1: weeks after lockdown ended because i'd ordered them two weeks before it began and, the other uh, make, and so. uh yeah that was uh that was a sad day <laughs>
3: yeah oh oh there at least it's not me and finally the last question on here before we wrap up after seeing your time traveler routine and seeing your code work and seeing your dvd are you mentalists? or magicians and does this affect your material choices
1: doesn't matter there is literally no difference. uh th- to us there's no difference we are right. uh, morgan and west we do impossible things with a yeah. very silly edge yeah um uh we don't we we never go in for the direct mind reading
2: like i don't think we've ever done anything that's direct mind reading not straight up lovely
1: yeah, maybe in the old days. Maybe in the old days, but, these, but but I mean, these days, what we do is family shows. And so there's, there's one piece of mentalism in the entire show, right. mentalism. Yeah. Um, and that's for the adults because yeah,
2: it doesn't work for kids. Doesn't kids work. don't get it. Um, but yeah, like magicians spend far too long worrying about labels. Who, who cares? Make the, your own, the label. audience don't buy one of them um, little clicky click things and make your own label. And then, um, you know, but like in the in the same way that people are like, Oh, are you a mentalist? I no one, no one cares. And, 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 or, oh, like, the number of arguments about whether I use the word trick or use the word effect. No one cares. Stop And, again, missions love to argue about really petty stuff because they feel like they're working. Uh, Once you've got the big thing sorted out, then care then about, argue the, about the petty stuff. stuff. Because
1: some people do care. Yeah. But it's more important to care about the, 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 the general stuff before yeah. you start sort of really laser focusing on little things yeah. like that, we think.
2: Our thing is morgan and west is a very particular style and a particular act and, and a style i think that the magic community often misjudge in the, the magic community i think think we're kind of like oh we're very victorian and somber and, blah, and we're not we're very we're a very silly comedic family act but our audiences our the audiences that actually come to our shows know that and they know the kind of thing you're getting when you come to Morgan West show but well, we, so we, we're known the, very differently in the magic yeah, community to how we're known by the public yeah uh no one in the public thinks those guys that do code work um And I think that for us, material selection just comes down to: does it feel like a Morgan and West bit? Mm. We oh, in our Christmas show, which we trot out only really once a year, or for one period a year. Yeah, one period, Um, like you
1: know, a number of times, a number of a
2: number of shows, but only for a couple of years. Um, we recently put in, or for a while we've had a snowstorm in it, but it doesn't, it never felt right.
1: No, it was all it it always.
2: we had some bits leading up to it that felt Morgan Westy and then we'd get the actual snowstorm bit and it didn't it's never quite worked. feel right for some reason. And then the last run of doing it, we hit upon the idea of rather than fanning, because we do it with a fan. We did it with an electric fan for ages and then it broke. And then we went, why not just use a hand fan? And also
1: they're so loud. they like, so
2: loud. Oh my God, the they're so fans. loud. Um, we did it with a hand fan for a bit and we we're doing the fanning up thing and going... Na, 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 and it was like, I feel like once this starts, everyone's like, cool, snow. And then there's nothing there. And not very us. Until we hit upon the idea of, wouldn't it be funny to get a massive, you know, those fans that go on the wall? It's like a giant fan. We got that. And we're like, isn't it funny to do that? And rather than fanning it up, I'm holding the load and Reese is fanning it straight into my face. So then you still get the magical, like, where's all the the snow coming from? There's a lot. There is a a lot. lot. We pack our loads. Yeah. But, Now, it's not just, where's all the snow coming from? As that reveal is happening, I get to react to Reese, And I get to be really enthusiastic with this. "Ah, And I get to be... (laughs) Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!
1: And it found that... And it it got really... It it worked. All of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, and it worked not because that's a brilliant way to do that trick. It worked because that's a way that... The fit's Morgan It's It's the natural evolution of... It's not odd it's not a stop it's not a speed bump it is a natural
2: ramping up of how we do stuff and an an audience connects with that and yeah and it is it is that trick fit around the relationship that we have on stage
3: that's perfect and i think what a wonderful way to wrap up the episode today and um to finish, is there anything that you'd like to say to the audience at large? An audience in about just over 110 countries now. So, is there anything that you want to mention to anyone listening? Right. I mean, now? I don't
1: have enough languages for that. I can yeah. do French, Welsh, and German, and that's about it, really. Yeah. So, no. um, yeah. it's, it's
0: selectively missing off English from that list.
1: Wow, we've been doing wow, English, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, what is English? English? What is English yeah. other than a mishmash of everything else? Um, 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 do, do stuff because you want to do it because you enjoy it. Um, and, yeah. and, uh, make decisions. Everything you do should be based on a decision. Um, what that decision is, is up to you, but don't do stuff just because you're doing it.
2: Yeah.
1: That way you just don't get anything.
3: And pick up Parlor Tricks of Vanish and Ink. Great book. Absolutely. Great book. I in,
1: it's, it's in its third printing. So if you, yeah, want, to, if you yeah. want to keep buying it, that's great. great. But I, I'd be surprised if it sells any more copies. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like I it's think dead. everyone's got it now. Yeah, I've yeah, been i have print all these. I'll just signed fill, copies my, fill shelf yeah, up with yeah, it. There are definitely more signed than unsigned copies in existence now. Um, but yes, we're, we're very glad of the reaction that that's had. And there might be another book at some point in the next couple of years. But maybe. Yeah,
2: we've got stuff on.
3: Wonderful. Looking forward to it. Well, chaps, thank you very much for coming on the Successful Mentalist podcast. You have a wonderful day and uh, thanks for being here.
0: Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way, it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called The Magician's Business Group, and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group, and the magic of the internet will take you straight there. Or just pull open Facebook and search for The Magician's Business Group.